Welcome, church. Thank you again for joining us for online service. We're so excited to uh, worship with you guys today again. And um, so we'd like you guys to join us into uh, a song or two, and then we're going to get into our service. So, yeah, let's play it. Here we go. For a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad the honor of the so come on, sing out, let out, anthem grow loud, there is one great love, Jesus. Sing Jesus. Jesus, the name that drums of fear, that business sorrow sees. Sinners here, tis life and health and peace. He breaks the power of cancel sin, he sets the prisoners free. His blood can make the foulest clean, his blood avails for me. The sea, so come on, so come on, let's sing out, let our anthem grow loud. And listens to his voice, new life and dead receives. The mournful, broken heart rejoices, the humble poor believe. Sing glory, glory to God, and praise and love be ever, ever give. My saints below and saints above, the church and earth so come on, so come on, let's sing out, let our anthem grow loud, there is one great love, Jesus. Let's sing, so come on, one more time, so come on, let's sing out, let God. 
If you guys have your Bibles, please uh, turn with me to John chapter 16, verse 12 to 13. And uh, I'm going to be reading in the ESV version, okay? So let's all uh, say it together, uh, whether you guys are at home and uh, watching this. So let's all uh, read scripture together. And it says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. So let's all go into a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. And we thank you that we're able to come back to you and worship you. Whether uh, we're near or far, Lord, we're still one. Lord, we're still one church, one family, Lord, and we are so thankful for your goodness and your grace that you have shown us every single day, whether uh, things are happening around this world, Lord, you are one true God. You are the true God, Lord. You hold truth, you hold grace, and you hold goodness, Lord, and we thank you so much for giving us this time to just come to worship you, and we ask you please just to uh, allow us just to dive into uh praise and uh these songs lord into scripture as we sing these songs up to you and we glorify your name lord and we thank you so much again in jesus christ's name amen Stand together. One voice in the dark, a song that lights up the stars, one breath that gives life, one sovereign and power who speaks with thunder.
Hello, Trinity Land Church family. Pastor Bob here. Glad you could join us here this morning. Sorry that you can't be with us in person. We're looking forward to that day when you know we can all get together, whether we're indoors or outdoors, and not have to worry about all this other stuff that's going along, and just worship the Lord together in one voice in the same space. That would just be awesome. So keep praying for that. It's coming. Things are loosening up, and the more that's happening, it's 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 going to happen. All right. So but, uh, we're glad you could join us online as well. I have just a couple of announcements that I want to share with you this morning about some things coming up. Uh, family camp, which is happening uh, July 30th through August 2nd, is full. All the campsites reserved. Matter of fact, the camp itself, every campsite in the camp is full. And, and so uh, there's just really no way that we can accommodate anybody else for overnight. However, you're still welcome to come up during the day and be with us for the activities and things there. There's no cost for that. Uh, you come up and join us for meals and things, but we really would like to know if you're going to be there so we can plan on it. So just call my wife, Sherry, and let her know that, yeah, we're going to come up for the day and, and whatever days those are. And then uh, we'll be able to accommodate that and make it happen. So we'd love to see you up there for that. Also, Kids Camp is coming up here June 22nd uh, through the 26th. And uh, we have about 16 kids signed up right now. This Sunday today is the last day you can sign up. And you need to sign up. You can't just walk in on June 22nd and say, oh, I'm here. We, because of the way things are, we just can't accommodate that. So you do need to pre-register for this. And so you can go online to tacreading.info and, and sign up for this. Call Debbie Vandermark if you have any questions. Call the church office. We will get you in touch with her and we'll get everything set up. But you do need to pre-register for this, okay? I can't emphasize that enough. I was told I need to emphasize that a lot. So there you go. I've done my thing with that. And also, we are trying to put together a church directory, and we're just about ready to go through the final things of that. Um, Elisa sent out an email asking for information and such, 
And so if you haven't done that yet, please get it done. Get that information into the church office. We would like to release a directory here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, it just whatever information you're comfortable giving it uh, to us there, your email, your phone number, if it's one or the other or everything, address, it'd be great. But if there's something you don't want in there, just tell us that. Don't put it in. We'll only, we'll only print what you give us. But please get that information in so we can also get our church directory done. And then the final announcement I have is that we are looking to do a baptism in July. And so if you are interested in following the Lord and believers' baptism, or parents, if you have children that are interested in that as well, let us know about that. Let me know. Let Pastor Sean know. We don't have an exact date in July yet, but we're looking at doing it in July. We'll get you a date as soon as we settle on one. But we need to hear from you right now uh, about that for baptism. So call the church office, email either Sean or myself or the church office, and let us know about that. There's other announcements and things on the tacreading.info site. Make sure that you look at that and check those things over. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Sean to come up and join me here on the stage as he's going to do a ministry highlight. But I wanted to take a moment and debut, debut the new pastoral staff uniform. Mm -hmm. That's right. Starting this week. It's good. Yeah. I'm to right. look forward Talk to it. Thank you. Good, good. Yeah, thank you, Bob. Uh, you know, uh, it's good to uh, have a guy like him around, you know, who makes me look good. So good. Anyway, uh, so I just wanted to also mention last Sunday, we didn't mention this on our online services. And so uh, I wanted to make sure that you guys knew this actually came out on Friday with our What's Brewing, a little video I did. I mentioned this in the email and the video, but also wanted to make sure that you knew if you didn't see that either, that we have hired a next gen pastor and uh, Xavier De La Cerda is going to begin on July 1st. Him and his wife are joining us and super Super excited to have Xavier on staff and to join our team. And uh, he's got a beautiful wife as well and just a great family, an amazing story. So super excited to have them uh, be joining us and being part of what we're doing around here and starting on July 1st. So uh, if you get a chance, uh, if you are in, uh, able to show up in person service in sometime in the future, uh, make sure you look out for Xavier and, uh, and start up a conversation with him, get to know him a little bit, let him get to know you a little bit, uh, and uh, just uh, it's it's he's a great guy super excited to have him on our team i uh, also wanted to take some time this morning to uh, spend some time in prayer uh, if you remember back in january we had uh, several people in our church that uh, had some significant health concerns that came up uh, several cancer diagnoses and those kind of things and so uh, we spent a lot of time praying for them and some have come a long way in the last uh, uh, couple of months and but I just wanted to give quick updates and then just pray again for these people especially for one uh, Rebecca Moravec. Rebecca as you know has uh, been dealing with stage four cancer since January she found out about this and she's been going through a lot of chemo treatments and uh, you know God God has been blessing her in the midst of that in amazing ways and providing for her. Uh, and she is going in for a long-awaited surgery on Monday. So that's tomorrow. So we're super excited about that, but we need to be praying for her. She's going to be in the hospital for a couple of weeks.
weeks and not going to be able to have a lot of visitors and all that kind of stuff. And so just be praying for her that, first of all, that the surgery would go well, that the Lord would continue to heal her body, but two, that she would be able to have the emotional and the spiritual stability in the midst of that, that God would give her the strength to handle maybe some of the loneliness she's going to feel in the midst of that, and, and especially not being able to have very many visitors and that kind of stuff. And so uh, just be praying and continuing to pray for Rebecca. Uh, also, Kathy Brown, of course, had surgery back a few months ago, and things have gone well, and she's feeling better, and uh, a good miracle happened the other day with her, uh, with her voice. It just came back just a few weeks ago, and super excited about that, so a lot of good things going on there. I'm hoping that uh, Kathy and uh, Rich maybe actually get a chance to maybe share a little bit more about some of the things God's done in uh, her life and in their life during this time in the future, one of our services. But continue to pray for them as they continue to uh, work through the healing process. Uh, Karen... Um is also Karen, oh my gosh, Grace. Karen Grace is also still uh, dealing with a little bit of cancer. She had actually uh, an appointment on Friday. I haven't heard how it went, but she's had radiation for lung cancer for the last uh, six or seven or eight weeks. And I, she's done with the radiation, and so they were doing a checkup to see where she's at. I'm not sure where that, where that happened there, so let's uh, continue to pray for Karen. Uh, Bella also has been going through uh, some leukemia and uh, treatments on that as well. And she was uh, she's supposed to be getting some feedback this week as well, and I haven't heard what that feedback is yet, but hopefully we will find out soon and hope we'll get a good a diagnosis for her as well, but continue to pray for Bella. And then finally, Bobby Stewart, of course, has uh, been struggling with the seizures that have returned. They are continuing, and uh, I continue to see with get together with him about once a week or every other week or so and just sit with him and have conversations, and uh, sometimes his memory is fully there, and we're able to engage about old times and new times and all that. Other times, his uh, memories are very faint and, and it's a struggle. But uh, no matter what, Bobby is, seems to be always Bobby. He's always got this sense of joy about him that is just amazing. Uh, even in the times when he's not sure uh, who he is or who I am or whatever, uh, it's just amazing how God continues to provide for him. So let's continue to pray for Bobby that the uh, Lord would bring healing to his body in some way and that he would be able to uh, have those memories stick around longer and longer. He'd be able to engage again. You know he's so relational. He just craves to have that connection uh, with people and to be able to interact with them. So just be praying that the Lord would give him the gift of those relationships again and that he'd be able to begin to deepen those relationships once again as his memory can finally just maybe stay intact and the seizures would end. All right, so those are the things that are going on. I'm sure there's other uh, health concerns in our church, uh, and, but let's take at least these to the Lord and let's pray for uh, our fam church family this morning. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your goodness. You are a God who heals. Uh, Lord, we see it throughout, uh, your, uh, through, throughout Scripture that you are a God who shows up over and over again and brings healing. And we've seen it in our lives as well. People that we know who have been sometimes miraculously healed, sometimes just healed because of the technology and the knowledge and the doctor skills, the surgery skills that we have and all of that, uh, we've seen healing come that way as well. And so we just thank you for these people in our church who are struggling right now with their health concerns. We're not thankful for that, but we're thankful that you are with them. And we're thankful that in all of these cases right now, you are working to bring health into their life. We can see it. Their bodies are healing in some way or another. And so we just lift up, especially Rebecca, who goes into surgery for tomorrow, that you would, Lord, just first of all, just wash peace 
peace over her whole body and soul, that she would walk into that hospital with no anxiety or stress, that she would be joyful, that she would be trusting you fully, that she would just feel this sense of peace that you are in the room, that you are with her the whole time. I pray that even the doctors, as they are operating on her, that they would even feel that peace, that, Lord, that that peace that you've dumped into Rebecca's heart and life would just flow out of her into their hands and into their bodies, that the doctors and the nurses would feel it. Lord, we pray for a successful surgery. We pray that you would be able to remove all of that cancer, that, Lord, she would be able to be fully healed. We also pray for the couple of weeks she'll be in the hospital, that you will just be her friend, that you would allow her to recognize and feel and experience your presence in the room each day, uh, that she would not at all feel lonely, that she would be able to continue to be conversing with you and interacting with you in sweet and precious and loving ways. Lord, we also thank you for Kathy continuing to bring healing to her body. We thank you for the miracles you've already done there. We thank you for Bella continuing to bring healing in her body. And we thank you for Karen Grace, too, that you would continue to bring healing there. Lord, we pray that these, uh, the, for Bella and Karen, the, the diagnosis that they're going to be getting this week, that they would be good, that they would find out that the cancers are gone and that they can move on, begin to move on with their life. And we also, Lord, we pray for Bobby. Lord, a man who we all know and love, just so much joy in his heart, and he just uh, is someone who walks in the room and allows the rest of us to begin just to feel happy and excited and joyful, and we see Jesus in him all the time. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would, first of all, get rid of these uh, seizures that have come back, Lord, that you would remove them once again from his body. But if that's not not possible, if that's not what your will is, then we pray that you would at least give him the ability to remember, remember his past, remember his family, remember his friends, be able to have those connections with people. And if, Lord, that's not your will, then, Lord, we just pray that you continue to give him strength, give him joy, give him uh, trust in you in the midst of uh, a life that seems so disconnected from anything in his past or in the present. Lord, we love Bobby. We know you do, too. And so we just ask that you continue to provide for him and care for him. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather online like this and just pray that you would bless each person who's watching this uh, service online. That you would, uh, Lord, just that you would encourage them right now, that you'd comfort them. If they have any health concerns right now, that, Lord, you would step in and bring healing to their body, that you would bring peace and comfort and joy into their hearts. Lord, thank you for being the God who heals. Thank you for being the God who cares and walks and journeys with us through the good times and the challenging ones. We lift this service to you now. May you be glorified in it, and may we be blessed as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, China, worship team, let's sing.
So as we uh, sing this uh, next song, uh, I just want to encourage you guys to uh, just be reminded that God moves in every one of us, and God is moving in this world right now, uh, this time right now in the present, Lord. And um, just for to encourage you guys that um, as he moves, you know, um, as we sing in the chorus, let justice roll on like a river. Let worship turn into revival. Lord, lead us back to you. And so let the Lord... Uh, Allow us just to come back to him um, in this time and uh, allow us just to sing uh, the song through, uh, through justice and in truth and allow us just to bring a revival because this is a time of revival in this world and um, just to be able to tell the world of the gospel right now and tell the world of what is true right now. And so yeah, so let's sing the song together. So come, so come, 
move Let justice roll on like a river Let worship turn into revival Lord, lead us back to you Say we move when you move The outcast finds a family When you move, the orphan finds a home. Lord, here we are. Oh, teach us to love mercy with humble hearts. We bow down. Justice roll on like a river. Let worship turn into revival. Lord, lead us back to you. So come, so come, move. Let justice roll on like a river. Let worship turn into Give us 
Jesus, thank you for this beautiful morning, and Lord, I pray for Pastor Sean as he prepares to give his sermon, that you would just rest on him, that your Holy Spirit would speak through him, that the words that would come out of his mouth would be words that you want to use to communicate your message to us. And Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts and our minds and our ears, Lord, to hear what you want to speak to us through Pastor Sean, and that we would accept it, that we would think about it, and that we would put what he says into action, Lord. Um, just rest over Pastor Sean and give him peace as he speaks, Lord, and truth. In your name we pray. Amen.
<sighs> the uh, chaos seems to continue. Is it ever going to stop? I don't know. Maybe. We uh, are in, still in strange times. In the last few months have been uh, filled with chaos, disruption, uh, emotions, fear, frustration, anger, uh, struggles, spiritual struggles, personal struggles, relational struggles, the tensions that have been created between uh, family members and friends, between Christians and other Christians, between whites and blacks. It's amazing the tensions that are in this world right now. And uh, this week, uh, the Lord uh, finally, I feel like, has led me to another topical message uh, outside of my series to do uh, in order to address our current cultural kind of climate and what's going on. And, um, you know, I, I, I struggle sometimes because I feel like, you know, I, I'm so late, I feel like coming to, uh, you know, <laughs> giving some kind of word on this. Uh, you know, we've been dealing with protests and riots for three weeks now, and I'm just finally kind of getting into this and going to do a message on it. And, and perhaps it's just because, I don't know, I'm a new pastor, lead pastor, I'm not used to having to handle these things, uh, I just maybe don't know God's word enough, I, I don't know what it is, but I do have a sense that I, I feel like I need to not just communicate what my heart is or my feelings are. I need to seek Jesus. And, um, and so uh, I'm not saying that, you know, others who speak quickly aren't. I'm just saying that for me, it takes maybe longer. And so uh, anyway, so without much more introduction than that, uh, I want to dive in. I, I have written out again my message and again because of the topic and I'm going to read it and I'm sorry for those that that may frustrate. I'll try to do my best at reading it so that it doesn't sound like I'm reading it. Um, but here we go. Many Christians, pastors, and Christian organizations have stood up in this time and have given strong calls for justice to be done. They've posted on social media, uploaded videos, signed statements, and joined protests in cities across the country. I've heard many pastors teach on the hot topic of justice over the last few weeks. I have respected all of them for their social sensitivity and obedience in proclaiming the message of Jesus that he has given them. However, most of them have left me feeling like something was missing. For the last two weeks, I have been seeking the Lord, being hesitant to say anything until he revealed to me his heart, until he showed me these, this message, excuse me, until he showed me why these messages left me unsettled. Finally, this week, I can stand before you with confidence that this message is from God. I'm not saying the messages I have watched were not, but I am saying that he has revealed to me what made me unsettled, and I believe gave me the message he wants preached to you for such a time as this. America is filled with opinions. Turn on the news or open up your social media account and you are sure to hear it all. The loudest voices are decrying the massive injustice that exists in our country due to systemic racism, 
white privilege, and a legal system that oppresses minority races. The horrific death of George Floyd caught on camera and broadcast around the world is the latest evidence that police unfairly target black people, police brutality is prevalent, and racism is rampant in America. This mostly undisputed perspective has ignited protests and riots in cities around the world. According to most, at least most of those speaking up, these protests are legitimate response to what happened to Mr. Floyd and a natural reaction from blacks who have endured centuries of aggression perpetuated against them at the hands of white people and white cops. The hashtag Black Lives Matter has once again become the rallying cry of the protest, protests and a litmus test to judge whether you are part of the problem or the solution. Intense pressure is being put on politicians, news reporters, businesses, law enforcement, churches, and every American to show their solidarity with the persecuted black by joining the protests and posting on your social media account Hashtag BLM. Even those who never get drawn into the political fray and are remaining silent are finding themselves under attack because their silence, according to the BLM movement, proves their racism. Indeed, any who criticize the riots in the slightest refuse to post a black screen on their face book or Instagram, or show support for the police officers are immediately labeled a racist. Now, to be fair, not all in this movement are demanding such universal support or have given in to the temptation to broadly brush all who are silent or express their disagreements as the enemy. As a matter of fact, it seems to me the vast majority of black people do not support the riots or the shaming of those who don't pledge allegiance to the BLM flag. But it does seem clear that whether an extremist or not, the protesters and all who support them, including blacks and whites, are calling for one thing, justice. The cry for justice should ignite the hearts of all Christians. We are followers of a just God, and one of the defining attributes of Christians and the church, if they're truly worshiping God, should be justice. Christians should seek to treat others justly, develop a church community where all are treated justly, and encourage the leaders of our nation to rule justly. As I mentioned in my message a few weeks ago, Christians have always been at the forefront of social justice issues because of our call by God to care for, support, and defend the outcast and oppressed in our society. This has remained true once again in this current cry for justice for the oppressed black in our nation as Christians, pastors, and churches have risen in support of their cause marching alongside them, sympathizing with their anger, 
and humbly kneeling while they proclaim black lives matter. I'm sure there are some, even in our church, who have done that same thing. However, for some of us, we may find ourselves struggling, especially after three months of quarantine, with finding any compassion for the protesters. Even the peaceful ones may be causing stress, fear, and frustration. And the temptation is to ignore it all or quickly silence the cries for justice. But we must resist this temptation and open our eyes and our ears to their plight. Too many of us have allowed the few who are rioting to influence our perspective of the thousand who are peacefully protesting. Both sides of this conflict are defining the opposing side by the behavior of the extremists. As Christians, we must never tire of promoting justice. We must always fight for the oppressed and any who have not received justice. But the only way to have justice is to know truth. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 to 28. I'm sure you've heard this story before. If not, enjoy. It's a fun one. <laughs> the two prostitutes, then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, oh my lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone. There was, one else, there was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. But the other, but the other woman said, no, the living child is mine and the dead child is yours. The first said, no, the dead child is yours and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke for the king, King Solomon. <laughs> then the king said, the one says, this is my son that is alive and your son is dead. And the other says, no, but your son is dead and my son is the living one. And the king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, oh my Lord, give her the living child and by no means put him to death. But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king answered and said, give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was, uh, was in him to do justice. Solomon here is confronted by two women crying out for justice. The problem 
He had no way of knowing the truth. Classic, he said, he said, she said, or she said, and she said. <laughs> so with the wisdom God gave, he gives a test judgment to cut the child in half. Immediately, the true mother reveals her sympathy and love for, by surrendering and wanting her baby to live even if it's not with her. While the false mother also reveals her bitterness and jealousy by accepting the ruling and thinking if she lost her baby, so should the other woman. I share this story for two reasons. First, true justice is dependent on truth. This is one of the things that I have not heard from the other pastors that I've listened to, the other Christians that have spoke, but it is so essential. True justice is dependent on truth. Justice is getting what you deserve. In order to receive justice, there must be an understanding of what is deserved. And in order to know what is deserved, we have to know what is true. This is the dilemma that Solomon was in. He wanted to give justice to both women, but he could not do it unless he knew what the truth was. His judgment to cut the child in half was a test in hopes of discovering that truth. Only when the truth was revealed was justice able to be done. The baby was returned to its true mother, and the kidnapping woman was punished for her crime. Since truth is essential for justice, we must understand what truth is. Truth is not determined by the majority, nor the minority. Truth is not dependent on who shouts the loudest or who's the most eloquent. Truth is not based on what I want it to be, and it is not defined by my emotions or any other emotions. Truth is not a figment of our imagination, and it is not different for different people. Truth is unchanging, unbiased, and unemotional. It is not a respecter of persons, opinions, cultures, races, or ethnicities. Truth is whatever aligns with reality, what is real. Over the last 40 years, truth in America has been under attack. Postmodernism swept across our nation in the 80s and has taken hold in all the institutions of our culture, even the church. Truth has become relative, an acceptance of opposing truth claims, normative. A popular meme these days is two people standing on either side of the number six. The person on the bottom side says, it's a six. But the person standing on the top side says, it's a nine. The point being, both people are right. But this is a fallacy of logic. 
The law of non-contradictions states that an object cannot be two different things at the same time and in the same way. In other words, what is true is not dependent on one's perspective. It is dependent on what is real. In the meme, the number is either six or nine. It cannot be both. Just because their perception of the number differs does not change the fact that the number is in reality one or the other. Since this postmodern perspective of truth being relative dominates Western thought, it has made knowing what is actually real near impossible. This confusion and clouding of truth allows for people to promote, support, and perform all kinds of evil acts while feeling fully justified. If the truth, I choose to believe, tells me that oak trees are disguised giants who are plotting to take over the world, then I am totally justified in cutting down every one. As a matter of fact, you should be thanking me for cutting down the 200-year-old big oak in your backyard. Just because you don't believe what I believe doesn't mean I'm wrong. You are just standing on a different side of the number as I am. Ridiculous, I know, but it makes a point. In a world with this kind of perspective on truth, how do we know who should be punished? Should I be punished for cutting down your beautiful oak tree? Or should you be punished from not allowing me to kill this great giant? Hear this. A culture devoid of absolute truth leads to a culture devoid of justice. A culture devoid of absolute truth leads to a culture devoid of justice. Without concrete rules of logic and a transcendent source of morality, truth ends up becoming the property of the highest bidder, the loudest protester, or the largest voting bloc. When truth is dislodged from its moorings, justice gets sunk by the powerful currents of political correctness and the turbulent waves of opinion. If we want justice in America, we must somehow get back to the foundations of absolute truth. Church, we have truth. We worship the one who is true, and he has given us the Holy Spirit, whose job is to reveal to us what is true. John chapter 16, look it up. The Holy Spirit is revealing to us what is true. We must be the promoters of truth in our world, especially in a time like this, where so many are proclaiming their assumptions and opinions and perspectives are what is true. We must dig in to find the facts about racism, profiling, and oppression in America. 
We must ask the Spirit to give us wisdom and discernment like what Solomon had so we can see what is true. But more than that, we must allow our own hearts to be searched. Have we believed and promoted lies? Have we treated another human being as if they had no value or even just less value than our own? Have we ever allowed a prejudice toward a certain race, ethnicity, or type of person cause us to avoid or criticize them unfairly? Have we ever directly or indirectly supported the oppression of the poor, of minorities, or of those who are different than us? If any of the answers to those questions is yes, we have some confessing, repenting, and apologizing to do, and that is the truth. Now, back to Solomon and the two women. The second reason I share this story is because of the response of the evil woman. Note when the initial verdict is given, she quickly accepts it. Obviously, she thinks, if I can't have my baby, then neither should this woman. Her response reveals that she is not interested in justice, but in revenge. It is not fair that her baby died, and so in her distorted view of justice, she arbitrarily lashes out, longing for the other woman to experience her pain. It doesn't matter that the other woman did nothing to cause the death of her child. It only matters that it is not fair that the woman has what she doesn't. Now let me be clear. Not with all. But with the loudest voices. Those decrying systemic racism in America seem to sound very much like this woman who lost her child. Lashing out at all white people, labeling them racist simply because of what they describe as white privilege. They are demanding that white people kneel in submission of their unintentional racist acts while at the same time shaming them into silence. This is the justice they demand without realizing it only serves to promote and propagate oppression, not eliminate it. It is these loudest voices which are being willingly megaphoned by our politicians and news media who are revealing that their true motives are simply revenge. If Solomon were here, perhaps his test judgment would be, to, would be to strip all the wealth, privilege, and power from white Americans and give it to the black Americans instead. I can hear the loud voices quickly agreeing with this judgment without even a hint of recognition that their calls for justice have been revealed to be a sham. Perhaps even more shocking would be the number of white Americans who would volunteer 
to give up their homes, their wealth, and their positions to the oppressed black people in their community instead of allowing the punishment on all white Americans. But even if that were to happen, I expect these loud voices would still not be satisfied. So let me be clear. These loud voices are extreme and make up a very small percentage of the voices crying out against injustice today. Unfortunately, the promotion by the news and many of our leaders makes it sound like they are the only voices. But if we dig, if we research, if we expand our search beyond the news networks, we will find a legitimate voice for justice. And not only a, le a legitimate voice, but a powerful and a majority voice. It's a voice that stands with all minorities who have been oppressed. A voice that clearly proclaims that ra racism does still exist in America and all of it, no matter how small, must be eliminated. A voice that agrees all bad police officers should be punished while all good ones should be supported and celebrated. A voice that recognizes police brutality is wrong. But not every aggressive act by a police officer is brutality. A voice that seeks justice for all people. A voice that demands that Derek Chauvin be tried and punished for his crime against George Floyd. But despite the vast numbers of people who agree with these statements, it's a voice that surprisingly is being suppressed. We don't hear it, not on the news, not on social media. Church, we must rise up against injustice wherever it rears its head. We must be the first ones who defend the oppressed and the discriminated against. Where racism is present, we must fight against it. Where pol police brutality is evident, we must demand for just punishment. Where evil, hatred, and division exists, we must strive to bring goodness, love, and unity. On the other hand, admitting guilt for something we have not done is not true, nor is it just. Parroting the popular verbiage and slogans of those being treated unjustly may make you feel better, but it does nothing to bring justice. Blindly accepting the perspectives of the oppressed does not bring justice. Standing by and watching oppression without calling it out is not justice. Demanding that a person pay the price for what their ancestor did is not justice. Elevating the value of one person's life over another is not justice. In our search for justice, we must first seek to know what is true. Those who have endured oppression been falsely profiled against and experienced firsthand the ugly and evil hatred of a racist must seek the Lord and discovering the truth about their experience. Those who have never gone through any of those 
must also seek the Lord, not automatically dismissing those who claim such experiences. We all too often lean on our own personal experience in determining what is true instead of humbly listening to others and asking God for his perspective. Church, we must also understand that perfect justice comes only from God. As we work to promote truth and justice in our culture, we must never lose sight of our human limitations. God is the only one who knows all truth. Even with an an appropriate understanding of absolute truth, human beings will still get it wrong. Because we don't know everything, can't be everywhere, and can't read people's minds, we will make mistakes in our search for the truth. That is, this is why the church must point those who are looking for justice to Jesus first. The hope of the oppressed Jews in Scripture was not that they would receive justice from a human court, but from a heavenly court. The ultimate call is for God to judge and to bring justice. This side of heaven, we will never experience perfect justice. Certainly in a nation such as ours, which has elevated the rule of law and generally has just leaders who willingly abide by and uphold those laws, we can enjoy the benefits of living in a mostly just society. But there will always be some falsely punished for crimes they did not commit and some who will never pay for the crimes they did commit. So like Solomon, we must ask God for wisdom to know what is true and how to bring about justice. We must also encourage those who have experienced injustice to seek justice in human courts as much as they can, but to not put their hope in them. Jesus is the only one who will ensure that all will receive what they are due. Putting in the hard work of discovering what is true is essential to being able to defend the lives of the oppressed, promote a just society, and be a person who treats others justly. This biblical perspective is foundational to who Christians and churches should be. When we allow injustice to thrive and remain silent, while the weak and vulnerable around us are oppressed, we present present a warped view of Jesus. But (laughs) any teaching on truth and justice would be incomplete without also addressing mercy. And this is the other word that I have found missing from so many of my Christian brothers and sisters in what they're sharing The truth is, not one Christian receives justice. Let me say it again. Not one Christian receives justice from God. Again, justice is receiving what 
you deserve. Every one of us deserves eternal punishment for our rebellion against God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the punishment of sin is death. Yet, because of the amazing grace of God and the willing sacrifice of Jesus who took the punishment of our sin, if we choose to accept, surrender, and follow him, we do not receive what we deserve, but mercy instead. If God were only concerned with truth and justice, we would have no hope. Brothers and sisters of Christ, of all colors, cultures, ethnicities, and socioeconomic status, yes, God is a God of justice. But he is not a God of of blind justice. He sees the individual. He knows the challenges, the experiences, the abuses, and the pain you have endured. He also knows the evil you too have perpetrated on others. Yet he loves you longs to remove your guilt, pay the price for your sin, heal you of the pain caused by other people's sin, and give you an eternity of intimate relationship, perfect love, and permanent peace. In our stand to root out evil, promote truth and justice, we must also remember that because of the amazing mercy of God, we too can show mercy to others. As we follow the example of Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We too can ask for God's mercy to be poured out on even those who have harmed us personally. Because all sin gets paid for by Jesus, in our pursuit of justice, we can make room for mercy. Because we recognize our legal system is not perfect and we can't always know what is true, we don't have to blindly seek justice at all costs. Matter of fact, the more we understand our own sinfulness, the more we will be inclined to give others the benefit of the doubt and pray a similar prayer as Jesus. As we stand with those who have experienced tremendous injustice, we must dig for the truth, promote justice being done, and encourage the criminals and the victims to seek mercy from God. He is our only hope. John 16, 32 and 33, in this world it says at the end, you will have trouble. This verse does not just speak to Christians being persecuted. It speaks to all humans and the reality of living in this fallen world. This world will always be filled with lies, injustice, and evil. So even though we are blessed to live in a country that seeks to promote the biblical perspectives of truth and justice, our hope is not in America. 
Our hope must always remain in the one who is constant, faithful, perfect, truthful, just, loving, and merciful. Jesus is the only one fit to judge what is true, what is just, and to determine who deserves mercy. Let us turn our eyes to Jesus. Let us live our lives for Jesus. Let us proclaim Jesus to all who have experienced evil in any way. Church, let me close by turning this whole situation on its head. Most of us find ourselves feeling anxious, fearful, and frustrated. We look around and it seems like everything is falling apart and that our country is on the verge of total destruction. But if you will allow me some pastoral license for just a moment, I'd like to dip my toe into the shallow end of the prophetic pool. You see, I believe we are on the verge of revival in our country. But there are two great distractions that are keeping us from fully bursting into another great awakening. First, we are being distracted by all the rhetoric. Satan is working overtime to drive fear, hate, and division into every heart in America. The constant stoking of the flames by too many of our government leaders and by too many of our news reporters makes it feel like the world is falling apart. Social media contributes to the distraction as too many of our friends blindly choose sides and pass on their propaganda. But it is not true that our country is filled with hate. It is not true. A huge majority of Americans recognize that racism and oppression are real in America, but also recognize that it is continuing to get better. The recent protests have helped to bring to light some of the issues, and all the races are coming together to sympathize with those who are hurting and figure out a solution, legitimate solutions to the problem. Do not let Satan distract you with his rhetoric. We all must limit our consumption of social media and news so that we can hear from Jesus what is true? We must defeat the words of hate with actions of love. In order for the love of Christ to sweep our nation, we must refuse to give in to hate and fear. We must privately and publicly proclaim the love of God to every neighbor, every friend, every family member. The other distraction holding back revival is comfort. With the three months of sheltering in place and all the disruption and chaos from the pandemic and now the protests and riots throughout the country and world, many of us are longing more than ever for things to go back to normal. Please, Lord. We want to go back to our comfortable lives where the economy was humming along. Our routines were secure within their deeply dug trenches. And most Americans were enjoying a tremendous amount of peace and joy. 
For those living the good life, getting back to normal is what we long for because normal was great. But hear me, church, comfort and normal has muted the impact of Christians in America for decades. The American dream has become our hope for the future instead of the eternal kingdom of God. This this obsession with comfort causes us to make safe choices, avoid taking a stand for Jesus, and overlook the injustices in our community. Too many of us have become content with a guilt-relieving life of religion. Rather than a kingdom advancing life on mission with Jesus. In order for revival to sweep our nation, Christians must reject the comforts of this world and and their desire to get back to normal and instead follow Jesus into the trouble-filled streets of our neighborhoods and our cities. Okay, church stepping my foot out of the prophetic pool. (laughs) So what do we do? How do we respond? How do we jump on this revival train? We follow Jesus. He is the one with the plan. He is the one who knows the right words and the right actions at the right time. He knows where the lost and hurting are. He knows who he's equipped to share the right kind of love for each person in need. For some, it might be joining a protest, listening, praying, and loving on those who are hurt and angry. For others, it might be sharing the love of God through words and pictures and videos on social media. For others, it might be calling up family and friends who know you know are hurting and sharing the gospel message with them. Others might become a chaplain with Samaritan's Purse like Mike Hurley. Others might join our Mexicali team hitting the streets to offer prayer for any who are in need. It might be writing letters of support to our local police officers like the Gusky family did this week or just sending letters to our family and friends to share God's love with them. It might be protecting a business about to be looted. It might be covering the legal costs for someone who can't afford to fight against the oppression they've experienced. Or whatever else he might be igniting in you. Church, now is the time. Now is the time. Will you stand with me? Will you repent of any sin that the Spirit has exposed in you during this message? Will you refuse to buy into and promote the hateful rhetoric? Will you commit to getting out of your comfort zone and follow Jesus wherever he leads? Will you look to Jesus, listen to Jesus, and walk with Jesus, church, will you stand together with me, with each other, and with all those who have faced injustice of any kind? Revival starts here. In the individual hearts of each person, 
When we finally get our eyes off the many distractions of this world and recognize that it is all about Jesus. He is our only hope. He is the world's only hope. Success is not about my comfort, my pleasure, my happiness, or being right. Success is an intimate relationship with Jesus. Life is every day seeking to fully enjoy that relationship. Church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your amazing goodness and that Jesus is the answer. We ask that this morning you would search our hearts. Lord, maybe you've already pinpointed pieces in us of sin that need to be repented of. And I pray as you search that you would reveal those dark places in our hearts. Lord, before revival can begin, we need to be right before you. We need repentance. So, Lord, bring repentance to our hearts. Bring repentance to our church, our community, to our state, to our world. And, Lord, we also pray, once we've repented, once we've confessed, that you would ignite our hearts for the lost in our world. Lord, that you would give us the boldness and the courage to stand with the oppressed among us. That we would not turn a deaf ear to them, but we would listen to them. We would also not just accept everything they say as gospel, but we would seek for truth. That we would call people to bring about justice. That we would seek truth from you so that we can know how to bring justice in this world. And that, Lord, when time is appropriate, that we would also be filled with mercy and forgiving our brothers and sisters in this world who have done something maybe against us. Lord, you are at work in our country and in our world in powerful and mighty and beautiful ways. And we are asking today again that you would bring revival that your will would be done in my heart, in our hearts, and in this nation's heart, Lord, that you would move and have your way among us, that your spirit would wash across this nation, igniting people's hearts for you, that they would hear Jesus' name and they would bow to his lordship. That, Lord, you would unite our nation together in this time. Lord, give us what we need. Empower us, strengthen us, love us, and help us to love others. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, let's sing a song. We'll be back in a minute.
Lord, help us. Lord, heal our land. Second Chronicles 7, verses 12, 12, 13 and following. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Amen. God bless. 
and hallelujah. Lord, bring revival. Lord, bring revival in your heart, in my heart, in all of our hearts. May you have a blessed day. We've got one more song. Stick around. You want to sing this one. It's a good one. And get you going and fire you up a little bit at the end of this service. And uh, let us all hear from the Lord. And may he bless us in Jesus' name. All right, go. Did you hear the ocean's roar when the people rose to sing of Jesus Christ, the risen one? Sing, did you feel? Did you feel the people tremble? Did you hear the singers roar? When the lost began to sing of Jesus Christ, the saving one. And we sing. And we can see that God moving. A mighty river through the nations. And young and old will turn to Jesus. Flay what? Flay
Church.